As the kiddos get out of here, you can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians or on your devices. Ephesians chapter 6, we continue in our series today. We're going to start by reading Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Anybody feeling old-fashioned today? Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as your shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of God. You may be seated. But before we dig in, let's do have a Word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the chance to gather today as the family of God. We thank you that we gather to hear your word, to sing your praise, to encourage one another. And we pray, Lord, as we do open up your word now, that you would use this time to instruct us to teach us, to encourage us, to challenge us. Lord, do your work in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. Do your work through your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Last stands make you famous. There was Custer's last stand at Little Bighorn in 1876. In that battle, Lieutenant Colonel George Custer and his men were killed when they underestimated the much larger group of North American Indians, of Native Americans, that they attacked. There was the infamous last stand at the Alamo in 1836, where a group of Texans 
seeking independence, held off the Mexican army led by General Santa Ana for several days before finally ending up dead. Or how about the Battle of Shiroyama? In 1877, where about 300 samurai rebels made their last stand against the vastly superior Imperial Japanese Army. If you think you haven't heard of that one, maybe you remember a movie from a while back with Tom Cruise called The Last Samurai, which was loosely based on that battle. And, of course, by the way, You can deduct from the title of the movie, the samurais all died. So last stands may make you famous, but they also make you dead. (laughs) Our text today implores us to stand against an enemy who is superior in both power and intellect to us. Verse 13 says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore. The Greek word for stand is stet, which is a military term for holding on to a position. But notice with me that this is no last stand. Sorry, we're not trying to make you famous. We'd rather keep you alive. The Message Bible says it this way. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting you'll still be on your feet. The the Apostle Paul implores us, therefore, stand. Today, as we attack the subject of spiritual warfare, pun intended, we will use this outline. What is spiritual warfare? What is the armor of God? What is the role of prayer in spiritual warfare? So let's dig in. First of all, what is spiritual warfare? And let's be real honest about this one. One of the most significant challenges I have as your preacher today is getting a room full of conservative, free church believers engulfed in our Midland culture of intellectualism to acknowledge that spiritual warfare is even real. A recent survey of evangelical Protestants showed that 45% don't even believe that the devil is a real being. Did you hear that? 45% of evangelical Protestants Don't even believe that the devil is a real being. To me, this is a clear case of where our intellectual pride can come up against what God has clearly stated to be true in the scriptures. 
No less a man than C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest intellectuals of the 20th century, believed in spiritual warfare. In fact, he wrote what is undoubtedly the most significant and well-read book ever written on the subject. You've probably heard of it. It's called The Screwtape Letters. As is too often the case, what I think has happened is we've allowed some fringe groups and individuals to stigmatize a biblical truth to such an extent that that we're more likely to just ignore it rather than deal with the difficulty of correctly identifying what it is and how the Bible teaches us to engage in it. So here is my attempt to define what spiritual warfare is according to the Bible. Definitions coming up, I think. Spiritual warfare is the utilization of everything that God promises against the satanic forces that oppose God's purposes. So in our effort to stay standing, we need to utilize everything that God promises against the satanic forces that oppose God's purposes. I think some of us have watched too many wacky Hollywood accounts of spiritual warfare and have fallen into the trap of associating spiritual warfare with wackiness. Or maybe simply with fiction. Spiritual warfare does not see a demon behind every rock. Those involved in spiritual warfare do not have to receive special revelation from God identifying particular demons or targets of demonic activity. Spiritual warfare does not require praying in tongues or casting out demons. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Spiritual warfare is very real. And I'd even contend a regular part of the experience of a growing Christian believer. Listen again to verses 10 and 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The devil is scheming against you. Scheming is the perfect word to describe what he's doing. He has a plan. It's a dastardly but very intelligent plan. It's strategic and specific in its attempt to accomplish your demise. Today we're honoring a group of high school graduates later on in the service. Many of whom will be headed off to college in the fall. And as you go, I'd warn both the students and their parents that this is a time... When satanic forces typically 
up their game against these students. The devil knows your areas of weakness. And he will seek to exploit them at this time of potential vulnerability as you're taken out of your normal support system, separated from the influence of your parents and many of your Christian friends. He's scheming against you. He has a plan of attack. He knows if you have a weakness to sexual temptation, to intellectual pride, to popularity, whatever it is, he knows it. And my question for you is, do you have a plan of defense to help you stand under his attack? And that's true for all of us. He knows our weaknesses. I'll also share with you this morning a personal example of how I believe I've been involved in spiritual warfare over the last few months. I've been having an increasing battle with anxiety over the last few months, which has gotten bad enough recently that it sent me to a doctor. Now hear me clearly, I believe that what I'm in is primarily a spiritual battle. But I'm not afraid to call a doctor or a counselor to help appropriate the healing that ultimately comes only from God. I believe that my biggest problem is listening to lies that the devil is telling me, which cause me fear. I believe what I need to do is listen to the truth that God speaks to me through his word, his spirit, and his people. But he can also use doctors, counselors, and even medicine to help me gain victory in this battle. It's not that God can't bring us victory without these kinds of help, but neither is it up to me to tell God how to give me that victory. The point I really want to make here is that spiritual warfare is real. I believe it's real because I've experienced it. And again, I believe that the presence of spiritual warfare is normal in the life of a growing believer. When we don't acknowledge the reality of spiritual warfare, we're destined to defeat. Because the enemy's sneak attack upon you has been successful. So, we've been told to stand. But how do we do it? If you're not properly equipped to stand, it can be very difficult. So to lighten up this otherwise pretty intense subject, check out these guys trying to stand. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
you like the snow. properly equipped to stand. We need to be properly equipped or standing will not be easy for us either. God supplies us with what Paul refers to here as the armor of God to help us stand. It's not hard to imagine where Paul gets the idea for this imagery. He writes the epistle to the Ephesians from a prison cell. It was at times the practice of the day to chain a prisoner directly to a Roman guard. Paul most likely at some point had an up-close view of the armor of a Roman soldier. In this text, he lays out some of the primary pieces in the order in which a soldier would have put them on. He starts with the belt of truth. What I want to do today is work quickly through these pieces of armor and try to see how each one plays a part in helping us to stand. The belt of truth is the personal integrity of being a person of truth. Just a few days ago, I received again, for probably the fourth or fifth time, a scam email That's been going around, which basically says, I hacked your computer. I know you've been looking at pornography and I'm going to expose you if you don't send me a thousand dollars. How many of you have seen this one? Some of you have? Yes. The person of truth who lives a life of integrity, knowing that they're innocent before God, handles an email, email like that very simply. Delete. When you're a person of truth, truth always defends you. Truth is on your side. Second, we have the breastplate of righteousness. That refers to the appropriation of Christ's righteousness to us. We have been justified by faith in Christ Jesus. The righteousness of Christ has been imputed to us. We possess it right now. Now that is a great piece of armor to have against the accusations of the devil. 
God has declared me not guilty and given me the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. Third, our feet are shod with the gospel of peace. You might ask the question, peace with who? This armor is the idea that through our acceptance of the gospel, we know that we have peace with God. We are no longer his enemy. We are no longer objects of his wrath. We're in the service of the king of kings. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. That knowledge helps me to stand. We take up the shield of faith. Remember, even our faith is a gift from God, as Paul told us in the earlier part of this letter in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. And what is faith? Hebrews tells us that it is the assurance of things hoped for. The old hymn writer nailed it. It's blessed assurance. The assurance of things hoped for is another great defense to help you stand against what Paul describes here as the flaming darts of the evil one. Here's even more battle imagery as Paul alludes to the practice of armies who would dip arrows in pitch and light them before shooting them at their enemies. The Roman soldiers had a shield that was composed of two layers of wood covered with flame-resistant hide. So the shield of faith extinguishes the darts of the of the devil with assurance, just like that shield for the Romans extinguished the darts of their enemies. And then we take up the helmet of salvation. This is God's gift of salvation from the penalty of sin. Again, the thought here is our justification. We're no longer under sin because we are declared not guilty. You'll notice there's some obvious overlap here in some of the weapons of defense. And as one commentator I read said, it's a mistake to over-elaborate the precise correspondence in each case. The emphasis is rather on the total equipment. We take up this total armor and all of it together helps us to stand. But lastly, we have the sword of the spirit. It's unique from the other weapons in that it's the only one which is offensive in nature. Hebrews 4.12 says that God's word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Notably, this is the weapon Jesus used when he was in a spiritual battle himself. With Satan. You probably remember the story from Matthew chapter 4. Where Jesus is tempted by the devil. With four different temptations. And Jesus response to each one of them was. It is written. 
quotes from the scripture. Jesus went to the sword of the spirit and so must we. Many of you will remember the tool Pastor Jay used to teach, which he got from John Piper. It was the idea of preaching to yourself. The idea is to remind yourself of the truths of the scripture about God, who he is and his character, and about the promises that he's made to us in the scriptures. We are to preach to ourselves. When Satan tells you lies, preach to yourself. When Satan accuses you, preach to yourself about forgiveness and grace. Remember that in both verse 11 and verse 13, God says, put on your armor. That says to me that we already have access to it, but we need to put it on. We need to utilize the armor that's at our disposal from God. Paul concludes this section by making clear the utmost importance of prayer in this battle. I think I may have told you before, I, I hate speaking on the subject of prayer. And the reason for that is primarily because while some people are referred to as prayer warriors or prayer giants, I consider myself a prayer peon. But one encouraging thing about the recent spiritual battle that I've been going through is that it has driven me to prayer. In a battle, one of the worst things that can happen is when a unit loses communication ability with its headquarters or its commander. Harry Ironside, longtime pastor of Moody Bible Church, recounts the story of a World War I battle involving a group of men who became known as the Lost Regiment. The battle took place in Argonne Forest in France. A regiment lost contact with headquarters for a number of days. When they were later found, they had sustained heavy casualties. God provides us with a beautiful illustration in nature, that of the wildebeest. This African antelope takes an interesting posture when faced off in battle with an enemy. It gets down on its knees. And as the enemy gets closer, it eventually springs to attack from its knees. Here's my point. It's a paramount necessity in this battle that we rely on the power of God accessed through prayer. Otherwise, we lose. Don't get me wrong. Our ultimate victory is secure in Christ. But daily victories are won through battle, and particular battles can be won or lost. 
We must remember that this is not a battle we can win on our own. We need the power of God to stand against our enemy, and he always comes through. Just like he did for Moses and the Israelites when they were fleeing Egypt. As the pursuing Egyptian army drew close, these were the words of their leader, Moses. Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. May we go from here today and walk in victory in all our spiritual battles. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for being here among us today. Thank you for your word which speaks truth to us. Lord, we thank you that your word can be depended on. We thank you for the, giving us the armor of God that we can stand up against the schemes of the devil. Lord, I pray for those in the congregation today who are fighting their own spiritual battles right now. Lord, I ask that you would help them to lean on and rely on and use the armor that you've given them that they may have victory today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.